Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Discover More Books, where we present our biggest takeaways from the books we're reading each month. The Third Door by Alex Benayan is one of the most entertaining and compelling books we have ever read. Filled with adventurous stories and profound pieces of wisdom, The Third Door illustrates the true power of passion, persistence, and having a mission greater than ourselves. In The Third Door, Alex tells the story of how, at 18 years old, he decided to let go of his pre-med track at USC and instead follow his heart towards his mission, to interview the world's most extraordinary thinkers and discover their secrets to success. The Third Door takes readers on an incredible journey. From hacking the prices right for startup money, to chasing Larry King through a grocery store, to booking interviews with some of the world's most impactful thinkers. Interviews with Bill Gates, Maya Angelou, and Steve Wozniak, as well as a collection of others, revealed one thing that they all have in common. They all took the third door. Now, what is the third door, you may ask? As Alex explains, life, business, success. It's just like a nightclub. There are always three ways in. There's the first door. The main entrance, where 99% of people wait in line, hoping to get in. The second door, the VIP entrance, where the billionaires and celebrities slip through. But what no one tells you is that there is always, always the third door. It's the entrance where you have to jump out of the line, run down the alley, bang on the door a hundred times, crack open the window, sneak through the kitchen. There's always a way. So because this book is so engaging and action-packed, we realize that it's really easy to focus on the plot. I know personally, I read the book in a day and a half. Because it's such a page-turner, it's really easy just to focus on what Alex is up to and how his story unfolds. But we've realized that the true power of this story lies in the insights and wisdom delivered from the people he's interviewing. So with this episode of Discover More Books, We're aiming to extract and distill the 10 most impactful pieces of wisdom from the book and relate them both to Alex's journey throughout the book as well as our own journeys in personal life. The first quote that we have chosen from the 10 most impactful pieces of wisdom is with the boxer Sugar Ray. So he said this in the book, you may have a desire, a wish, a dream, but it's got to be more than that. You've got to want it to the point that it hurts. Most people never reach that point. They never tap into what I call the hidden reservoir, your hidden reserve of strength. We all have it. When they say a mother lifted up a car off a trapped child, that's the power. And I think this quote is important and it resonated with us so deeply because many of us underestimate the power and the importance of stretching yourself through the pain. In the story of Sugar Ray, and this quote reminds me of what the speaker, Gary Vee, often talks about and throughout and many of his speeches, that many people often complain that working hard for their dream is too hard, is too much sacrifice. Yet people still want a work-life balance when they want to become an entrepreneur to live life on their full terms. 
fighting for your dream is supposed to be excruciatingly difficult because trying to live a life of your dream is supposed to be hard. To become that 1%, to become that 0.01%, to live a life 100% on your own terms is supposed to be the most difficult journey, period. That's what Gary V and that's what Sugar Ray are both alluding to. Just wanting something badly just isn't enough. You have to have actions and you have to have the level of passion and the level of desire to match with that dream of yours. Yeah, and I think it's also the point that we're more capable than we expect us to be. I know that there's the saying of when your back is faced into a corner, you're able to fight your way out with you know more capabilities and more power than you ever thought. So it's kind of the idea that put yourself in those challenging situations and kind of discover that hidden reservoir of strength. And it really reminds me of the Viktor Frankl quote, those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. And that's exactly what Sugar Ray is talking about, is if you have that underlying desire, then you can tap into that hidden reservoir. Yeah, well said, man. And I think that relates to both of our mentalities and both of our mindsets when it comes to workout and fitness. And last set, best set is something that I have always embraced in the gym, as you know, because the last set of any workout, especially with heavy weights, is always the hardest because of your physical and mental exhaustion. Often, many times, and many people would settle for the nine reps instead of the designated 10. And often, many people would shrug it off and just think to themselves, oh well, they've done enough. Nine is enough. They have worked out for an hour after all. And it's not a big deal just to do one less rep. We truly believe that hitting that 10th rep is going to be the tipping point that enables us to achieve the desire, the dream, the physique that we truly dreamt of. So as Sugar Ray put it, to achieve the max output in life, whatever that may mean to you, you also need to exert the max input. So the next piece of wisdom is from Larry King. It's a bit of a contrast from the first one that talks about discomfort. And this actually talks about the power of comfort. Larry King says, When we are the most comfortable in our seats, our guests are the most comfortable in their seats. And that's what makes for the best interviews. So we both found this quote by Larry King to be very memorable for two reasons. For the first reason that Larry King's interview approach is one of the best well-known in the world. And of course, as we all know, Larry King is known as the best interviewer alive. And for Aiden and myself, we have adopted and deployed his approach for our personal interviewing techniques in the podcast, which we'll discuss later. But let's first focus on how Larry King came to this quote and how he was able to interact with Alex Benayan in the grocery store. So Alex had a pretty defeating day trying to hunt down interview requests with Warren Buffett. And after that failure, Alex Benayan thought that was the end of his trip. That was the end of his journey, trying to speak with and interview the most prominent figures in the world. And when Alex was at the lowest point, he came across Larry King at a random grocery store. However, Alex was in such a deep state of discomfort and Alex was in such a deep state of uncomfortability that he froze and he lacked and he was unable to muster up any courage to speak with the greatest shot he's had ever after that excruciating defeat with Warren Buffett. So Alex proceeded with stalking Larry King with aisles down in the grocery store. 
Because he simply lacked the courage to speak to Larry King, he followed him and ended up stalking him around the grocery store so that he does not lose track and to ensure that he was able to ultimately speak to him. But that chance never came. Although Alex was given the luck and Alex was given the opportunity, he ultimately missed it because he wasn't able to achieve that state of comfort and he wasn't able to feel at ease with his own desire. So Alex followed Larry King to the parking lot and he was seconds away from Larry King walking away and entering the car. So at the desperate moment, Alex yelled, Mr. King, wait. And of course you can read more about this amazing story in the book in details. But long story short, Larry King felt so freaked out and scared from this stranger who was yelling out and stalking him. Larry King perceived Alex as a stalker. So he locked his door and locked his car windows and attempted to drive away. And that's when Alex banged on his window and really tried to explain his ultimate purpose. And after making a huge scene on the streets, Alex explains, I'm a huge fan and I'm trying to write a book and I'm on this journey. Could you please meet with me and have a breakfast? And ultimately, Larry King was able to sit down with Alex and they actually had a very uh, pleasant and multiple breakfast sessions. And that's when Larry King shared this quote with Alex, is that if Alex were able to feel at ease, if Alex were able to achieve the state of comfort, Larry King would have also felt at ease. Because how you carry yourself and that mannerism affects the whole collective in that whole space. And that's when Larry King shared the most invaluable wisdom to Alex. When we are the most comfortable in our seats, our guests are the most comfortable in their seats. And that's what makes for the best interviews. And of course, Alex was able to adopt this approach afterwards, after he was able to seek out and speak with numerous other influencers and the most impactful leaders throughout the book's journey. And that's how Aiden and myself also able to adopt and take this approach to make it as our greatest weapons that many of our guests that we had on this show truly appreciated how comfortable and how much at ease we made them feel. Because we realized that your vibe and your feelings and your level of comfort is contagious. It's going to affect the whole collective and the whole space. And I think that's what Larry King was trying to convey in the story. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. And I think the really interesting thing is you could substitute out interviews and replace it with almost any other word, whether that be conversations or dates, really comfortability is what dictates the experience overall. So if you're out on a date, you can definitely notice if the person across from you is uncomfortable and likewise they can sense your uncomfortability. It's really that comfort that allows for connection. So I think Larry King talks about this in the larger lens of specifically interviewing other people, but really comfortability is ultimately what leads to connection. And I think the person that Alex is the most comfortable with throughout this whole story is his mentor, Elliot Bisnow. Throughout the story, Elliot gives Alex profound mentorship time after time, and we found one quote that really stuck out to us. I've learned that you have to go for it, even if there's a chance that you fail. The planets are never going to perfectly align. When you see an opportunity, it's up to you to jump. So this quote is really the ethos of the whole Third Door book. Uh, It comes into play when Alex first saw Larry King from across the grocery store. 
he wasn't going to just run into him and have a perfect conversation, but he needed to jump at that first chance. Or when he found himself in a meeting of all CEOs and high-level execs alongside Elliot, but also had an accounting final in an hour, he called the dean of the business school and requested that his final would be pushed back. So really making those decisions in the moment when there's that opportunity is the key to moving forward. And I think this is something that we've personally found and discovered a lot through the podcast journey. First being just starting it in general. Even now when I listen back to the first few episodes, I'm astonished by the sound quality, but it was really just that effort of starting, that effort of moving forward. And this really reminds me of our conversation with Two Fam, the real estate investor who talks about paralysis by analysis. He says for the starting point of his real estate career, he was just looking at spreadsheets, analyzing the numbers, strategizing what he was going to do when the time came. But ultimately, it was buying that first house, taking that first step that was the most impactful. So whether it's real estate, whether it's podcasting, any kind of new venture, there's never going to be a perfect time. You just need to start. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, one is greater than zero. And it doesn't matter how minuscule and how small the number may seem, any action and any number is greater than zero of inaction. And I think it is ultimately the action that's going to be the bridge that gaps your vision, your dream, and the ultimate reality that you truly seek after. But of course, we both recognize that luck is definitely a factor, and that there are other circumstances and other attributing factors that help you achieve your success in action. So another pretty profound quote that we really like from the book, it's by Chi Lu, and the quote states below, Luck is like a bus, he told me. If you miss one, there's always the next one. But if you're not prepared, you won't be able to jump on. So at the time of the interview, Chi Lu was the VP of engineering at Microsoft. And he tells the story of how he came into that position through very unlikely odds. He tells Alex that as a college student, he had dreamed of working and studying in the United States. However, it seemed remarkably out of reach. The entrance board exams to take to get into the U.S. cost $60, and that was eight months of salary of what he was making in China just to take the entrance exams. So really his journey into the United States and his key into his university education all came down to a matter of luck. And she tells the story of how he actually came into his opportunity at Carnegie Mellon. He says that on most Sundays, he would spend them visiting his family. However, this specific Sunday came along and it was pouring rain, so he wasn't able to do his normal family visit. And there happened to be a Carnegie Mellon professor speaking at his university. So on the chance and the luck that it was raining and he was on campus that specific Sunday, he went to the guest lecture with this professor and impressed the professor with his presented questions and research papers. Shortly after this interaction, it led to a full-ride offer to Carnegie Mellon. And this really reminds me of one of my favorite 
quotes slash formulas that I've heard through the years, and that's luck equals opportunity plus preparation. While there is the opportunity side of luck, there is that coincidence that pops up out of nowhere or that stranger you might walk by, but you really have to be prepared to take that jump, prepared to act on the luck that's presented before you. Yeah, here Chi talks about the importance and how undeniably luck has played a factor in his success and ultimately in his transition and his opportunity to become the VP of engineering in Microsoft. However, I think in this day and age, many people have the tendency to attribute everything or attribute all of other people's successes to the mere coincidences of what we call luck. We all have heard the stories of, oh, Bill Gates became successful because of luck, because he had the connection of his parents and he was able to sell his pitch of an idea to the company at the time. But like Chi talked about, none of those success stories and Chi Lu would not be able to achieve what he has achieved without the proper and the adequate preparation. So I think it is important to acknowledge that factor such as luck does exist, but what is more important is having an adequate level of preparation to meet with that chance of luck. Because like Aiden talked about, luck is opportunity meets preparation. And that leads us into our next quote and our next piece of wisdom. So Bill Gates, as we talked about, is one of the most well-known success stories. And people often associate Bill Gates, of course, with his immense intelligence, but also with luck that we talked about. But I think this quote by him perfectly illustrates that luck itself is not important. He states, the takeaway was clear. Choose a long-term positioning over short-term profits. So Bill Gates gives this advice in reference to a business sense in relation to a story of one of his first deals that put him on the map as a computer engineer. So when he was making a deal with IBM, he actually decided to reduce his profit margin and take less money from the deal in order to get his foot in the door with other companies. He saw this deal with IBM as an opportunity to gain momentum and gain interest from other companies. So he reduced his short-term profits to increase his reputation. And we believe that this strategy applies to so much more than just business. The idea of short-term pleasure versus long-term fulfillment applies to almost every aspect of life. I know personally, this is something that we've deeply examined in our career paths. Myself, leaving the short-term profits of public accounting for a long-term fulfillment of a career in a healthcare space and the flexibility to pursue passion projects like this. And likewise for Ben, the short-term pleasures of management consulting for the long-term fulfillment of working in social services. Of course, luck did play a factor in Bill Gates' success by even having the IBM deal to begin with. However, it is his intentional and strategic positioning that truly put him on the maps. And that is what founded the Microsoft as we know today. And similarly, after my decision to depart from management consulting, I had the luck and the opportunity of being recruited by the largest education nonprofit, Teach for America at the time. And all of these factors such as luck, they do exist in our lives. But ultimately, it is our intentional decision to choose that long-term success and fulfillment over short-term pleasure that have enabled us to do what we do now. 
Yeah, awesome point, Ben. And I think our next quote really illustrates how to determine what the long-term position is, how to figure out what's the short-term versus long-term and how to distinguish that trade-off. So this quote comes from Apple engineer Steve Wozniak. He says, society tells you that success is getting the most powerful position possible. But I ask myself, is that what would make me the happiest? And I think this question should be the centerfold of determining this long-term versus short-term. Often it's the short-term that would answer the question, what would make me the most money or give me the most power? But focusing on happiness in the long term is really the question that unlocks that long-term fulfillment. We're noticing trends across culture and businesses these days of focusing on happiness and focusing on long-term success. Just hours ago, Ben and I were talking about how Trader Joe's seems to do everything right. You can tell that they're prioritizing happiness of their employees and their customers, and that feeling can really be felt at all levels of their business. And that is the statements and the mission that Gary Vee often stands by. He always talks about, we need to stop putting money and so-called success on a pedestal and set to prioritize our mental health and happiness. Because similar to my experience with my transition and Aiden's pivot from the public accounting into the healthcare and finance space is that sure, if we continue to put in the 80 hours a week, we would have optimized and maximized the finances, the money, However, we both recognized and ultimately reconciled with the fact that that is not what is optimal with our happiness and that is not what is going to make us happy. So we made the decision to pivot and we made the decision to change because we realized the importance of the question of, is that what will make me truly happy? Is that what will make me the happiest? As Wozniak talked about. Wozniak's recognition about happiness and his skill sets have enabled him to become one of the most notable engineers of our lifetime. And our next quote is by Pipple, who's also widely recognized as one of the most successful and notable musicians of our generation. So Pipple's key to continued success, it's about always staying an intern. It's about humbling yourself enough to learn, even when you're at the top of your game. And in the book, when Pipple was interviewing with Alex, he shared the direct quote that, I'm always studying the game. What he meant by that is, people shared a few stories about even after he's achieved all that fame, even after he's achieved numerous songs on the top Billboard 100 chart, he realized he needs to continue to study the game. He needs to continue to re-innovate different genres, different partnerships to see how other musicians do it. Because his goal was to achieve the number one on the Billboard chart because he wasn't satisfied with the number 32nd or 30 or 25. And he shares a few examples of, he used to offer and he used to work at a radio station to learn the ropes and techniques and technologies about how he operates from a producer standpoint. And specifically, Pitbull shares his story where he offered to work for Carlos Sim Jr., which is one of the most famous and successful billionaires in Mexico and how he offered to be his intern. And he said, I will pick up your donuts, I'll make your coffee, I'll do whatever, just to be your intern, just to study the game. 
because he understands that different sectors and different industries all have something invaluable to contribute. And each sector comes with their own secrets and their ropes. And he wanted to learn them all because he wasn't satisfied with his success. And it is his intern and his beginner mindset that ultimately enabled him to get an offer from President Barack Obama at the time to sing and tour for his re-election campaign. And he became one of the first musicians to perform on July 4th at the White House. Pitbull continued to innovate new strategies because he wanted to continue to improve the game and eventually gave him his first Emmys in the dream of being the number one on the Billboard Top 100. So for us at Discover More, even though we've been on a hiatus due to the social distancing regulations of COVID-19, we've made it an effort to continue to study other interviewers and other podcasts and continued to consume other inspiring content to make sure that we're both work on our own podcasting process. And then also in our health and fitness arena, even though we've both been working out for over eight years and achieved PR after PR, we both recognize that there's so much more to learn. We both watch YouTube videos among scientific experts and read articles from nutrition studies or medical journals. No matter how far you get, no matter how much you learn about a specific topic, A, there's always someone who knows more, and B, it's equally important to continue with the student's mindset so you can really learn and grow as much as possible. So this intern and beginner's mindset really transitions well into our next piece of advice from Richard Saul Werman, the founder of TED. You won't get anywhere in life until you come to the epiphany that you know nothing. So we thought this quote was interesting, not only just for the relevance of it and how important it is to truly understand that I know nothing mindset, but for the fact that the founder of TED, who chose TED Talk, it is a known brand that's recognized for the collection, and the inspiring content that's hosted by the most well-known and influential teachers and leaders in life. But the fact that the leader and the founder of that emphasize the importance that you know nothing and that learner's mindset translates to so many different aspects in life and to the ethos of our podcast, Discover More. The reason why we bring in so many experts and so many influencers in their industries and in their sectors is not just that we want to connect and create that deep and meaningful relationships and connection, but it is also because we want to continue the lesson of discovering more. We want to continue to bring in the others to learn more and to teach ourselves and our audiences because there's so much to learn. Once we have the humility and once we have the recognition and the understanding that we truly know nothing, there's so much more room and space for us to grow continuously. And we truly believe there is no limit to knowledge. There is no limit to what we can learn once you adopt the learner's mindset. Yeah, and this reminds me of a quote that I just read in a new Jim Quick book. And he says, the brain is like a parachute. The only way it can learn is if it is open. And I think that quote really describes what Worman's really talking about, is that you have to be open to learning more and admitting that you might know nothing in 
whatever topic that you're studying. And this beginner's mindset certainly isn't some new realization or new concept, but rather it's been used since ancient times and really dates back to ancient philosophy. An ancient Greek philosopher, Socrates, was known as not only the smartest man alive, but also the most curious man alive. And one of his most impactful contributions to society was the Socratic method, which is basically a reasoning method or approach to logic and reasoning that involves asking question after question. The Socratic method shows that each question often reveals a more precise or more accurate conclusion on the other side of the questions. Personally, the Socratic method has been one of the most impactful tools in my learning toolkit. So whether that's while reading books or talking to other people or working as an employee, it's often the questions that lead to true knowledge. Better questions reveal better answers. And absolutely. And I think it is that humility, it is that acknowledgement and recognition that we know nothing is ultimately going to lead us into true mastery. So our next quote is very pertinent to today's situation with COVID-19. And the quote comes from Maya Angelou and Alex's interview with her. She says, simply, every storm runs out of rain. While simple, this quote illustrates a larger theme of the way the world works. Nearly everything we know is cyclical and or seasonable. So whether that's the seasons themselves changing from cold, secluded winters into the to the warm and upbeat summers, every storm runs out of rain really shows that change is the only constant. Things are perpetually moving and constantly changing, but we always know that eventually things are going to return to the norm or return to a new norm. So this is certainly the case for the recession of 2008. Many people speculated that our economy would never come back to where it was, that employment would never rise to a safe level or the housing market would never recover. Although it's taken the better part of the decade, we've recently surpassed and overcame that 2008 recession until the recent circumstances have emerged. But similar to how we're currently facing economic stability, even though it may take some time, every storm runs out of rain, every recession runs out of instability. Yeah, similarly, we truly believe that the only way to move is moving forward. And similar to the example of recession in 2008, it reminds me of the situations in the countries during World War II. For the two countries, they were defeated in the harshest manner. They were considered as the biggest losers, essentially. And those countries were Germany and Japan. And of course, we all know the story and how World War II went, so I'm not going to dive too deeply into that. But what I would like to highlight is that Germany and Japan who are on the losing side of the spectrum, who essentially lost the war against the United States and on the Allies, they were able to overcome the greatest defeat in the human warfare history. And they were able to become the biggest winners in the modern days. 
Germany and Japan were often considered as one of the most advanced countries in all aspects, and each country has among one of the highest GDPs in out of 178 countries in the world. Just like the housing market and the unemployment rates post 2008, just like the Germany and Japan and their current situation post World War II, we believe every storm will truly runs out of rain, and that is extremely pertinent to our current situation with our COVID-19. And of course, all aspects of life and all aspects of the economy and the country have been adversely affected by the coronavirus. However, with this quote and with this advice by Maya Angelou, we want to encourage all listeners that there is hope for the future, because we collectively, as human beings, are known as the most resilient creatures that ever lived, and with our resilience, with our hope. Everything will eventually fall back to a certain level of normalcy, or a new norm, like Aiden talked about. And I think that is the reason why we have selected the next quote to be our final piece of takeaway and the final lesson that we want to share in this episode. So COVID nineteen has taught us and many of us a lot of new lessons. But Quincy Jones, who says this quote, also shares during the interview with Alex that. A lot of things in this life are outside of control, and they have other plans. The universe has other plans for us. So Quincy Jones shares that young people are always chasing. It's because they think they're in control of everything. They have to learn to be connected to the universe. Just let it happen to you. And I think it is the idea of expectations. Most of us and many of us. We all share and hold a certain level of expectations for ourselves and for the other people, but I think the idea of expectations is fundamentally flawed, because when you expect a certain outcome, in life, in circumstances, in whatever, it is because you truly believe, you should and you have a total control of the situation or the circumstances, which translates to ego, and I think the idea that we have a total control in life. That the totality is absurd and is fundamentally flawed, because we don't have any control over life. Nobody has control over life, and that is a quote that we have shared in the past. Expectation is a thief of joy and happiness. This quote especially struck a chord with me, because this reminds me of my most recent experience and the story that I've shared briefly during our last episode. That I let go of my expectations about job interviews during this difficult time, because many of the job positions and opportunities have been frozen indefinitely within the social service and nonprofit sector. However, because I was able to be present, to be humble, to let go of my expectations, because I fully recognized that I have no control over life, over the situations. The circumstances of COVID nineteen, because I was able to let go, I was able to hear back from an offer out of nowhere, and ultimately, it enabled me to accept an offer with a larger NGO that is going to align with my future career aspiration to become a clinical psychologist. Yeah, awesome point, Ben. Thanks for sharing. That's a really great strategy to be taking in such an uncertain time. This also. Really reminds me of our episode with Allison Hare, when she revealed that in order to discover her true calling in internal medicine, she had to take a much different approach 
to let go and trust the signs that were put in front of her. With this book of Third Door, Alex first embarked on his journey because he simply wanted to seek out the advices of the most successful people because he was once lost and he recognized that there's many of us who also are in the same position that he once was. And through his adventure and his journey, he recognized and he was able to discover that there indeed exists a third door. And this is his final takeaway from the book and he's from his journey. Everyone has the power to make little choices that can alter their lives forever. You can either choose to give in and continue to wait in line in the first door, or you can choose to jump out of line, run down the alleyway, and knock on the door a hundred times to take that third door. We all have that choice. COVID-19 has given many of us the unprecedented circumstances and challenges we have never faced before. And I think it is up to us to make that decision to let go of our pre-existing expectations and ideas and truly accept what we cannot control and accept life may have other plans for us and for us to accept that and to let it happen. Because as Alex puts it in the end of the book, when you change what you believe is possible, you change what becomes possible. With that, we would like to encourage all the listeners and readers to pick up this book because this book is honestly one of the most entertaining and impactful books that we have read. And we would like to encourage and challenge everyone to reflect upon these lessons and apply them respectively into their own lives. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.